As mothers, we sometimes limit ourselves because we're consumed with caring and worrying about our children and family and find ourselves daydreaming about the what-ifs and possibilities. Today, we talk about how and why we should take risks personally and professionally, why it's important to reinvent ourselves, and how we could take actions when we're constantly mom-dreaming. Today, we talk to well-known media personality, mother of two, and author of Grandes Dreamers about her journey on how she took a leap of faith. We read the books, we bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen, I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time working moms, we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay. Because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. Welcome. Hello. Hello, Karen. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I love the title of this episode. It's called Mom Dreaming. So instead of like daydreaming, this is like what moms do. Like it's a movie scene where you're like folding the laundry or like feeding your child, but you're like off in another world thinking of like what you really want to do or your passions and like today I want to talk to a dear friend of mine Argelia and I want her to share her journey and applaud her because she took a risk she reinvented herself she's doing great but it takes a lot of courage to do that sometimes especially yeah. when you're used to Oh, you get comfortable the day to day and it's so easy to get complacent with okay this is safe for me it's like safe for me it's not comfortable because I feel really uncomfortable with my life that there's like so many things going on all the time but I do feel safe and that that's kind of where sometimes I get stuck and I like this topic a lot because I do mom dream a lot about things that I could possibly do that I don't do so today we're going to uh, step into know, that step into it and see how we could take some action to make it happen but first let's start with our motherish moment of the week i'll start so uh, ford is a year and a half now and he's finally learning to um be cariñoso or be you know gentle and just loving on cute right so if i ask him oh you know give someone a hug or give him a kiss you know this is usually it's after them him hitting them <laughs> or like pushing something or doing something a little bit aggressive you know without noticing i guess now i could be like no baby come on like you know give him a hug dale un besito un abracito and he knows what to do and how to do it and it just it's so sweet to watch him kind of like turn from like a little savage little menace into like oh this tender little boy and he's so sweet and even with his own like toys I'm like no 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 you know you just broke his arm but like why don't you hug your you know toy and kiss him and it's sweet it's sweet to see him like understand emotion and kind of understand that that's a way of of showing love and you know that you care for someone my motherish moment uh is more about just like me talking to Victoria and trying to prepare her for what is the rest of the year because it's the best season of the year you know I love the holidays I'm super excited about Halloween and then Halloween is basically the kickoff for the most important time of the year because it is my dad's birthday my birthday my mom's birthday my mother-in-law's birthday my husband's birthday my brother's birthday and <laughs> like, Christmas and and Miriam's birthday and Thanksgiving and Christmas and like all these things so I've been like writing on a physical large calendar which is very not me But I'm like showing her, but she's like, yo quiero pintar también. And I'm like, mama, mira, después de Halloween, viene el cumpleaños de Abilolo, which is what she calls my dad. And she's looking at me like, okay, 
Like, I'm ready. She's ready. She's ready for all of this. So I'm excited. And and yeah, it's just, it's cool and really like fills my heart to start experiencing and being able to share this like family stuff with her because obviously this is her family too. So it's very exciting. And now we're going to go to Argelia to share her motherish moment. There are so many. Hi, ladies. I'm inspired by your moments, but I can tell you now that just being part of my girl's morning routine, which is something that I had missed for ever. <laughs> yes, people must be like, wait, but you were part of their lives, right? Like you picked them up. Yes, I picked them up after school every day, but the morning routine is so special. And you ladies know that now. Just to be able to wake up my girls, to go in their rooms and say, rise and shine. It's Friday. You know, it's the end of the week. We get to go and have, you know, like goodies after school today. But just to be able to walk into their room and then just hug them in the morning and comb Anabella's hair, who's 10 years old now. And she's a fifth grader, so she thinks she's like the big girl now, which she's still my baby. But just to be able to comb her hair because she wants mm. me to make her the little space buns or las colitas, las trencitas. To me, that is everything. I, I mean, I do it on the weekend, but as I say, the morning routine is something special Monday through Friday when you're taking your kids to their school, which is their, you know, their second home really when they're little they're either at home or at school right i'm trying to regain moments that i lost because of my career and for me those small things like waking up my kids in the morning and combing their hair preparing their breakfast cutting the mangoes and baking the eggs <laughs> and i do that in, on the weekends okay don't think that i don't cook for them but i never did it in the morning so i get to thrive on that and that Mother has got to be my best motherish moment So Argelia Atilano, she is a well-established TV and radio personality for almost two decades. She was a leading female voice on the radio. She's also a philanthropist. She's giving back to her community in countless times. And she is the author of Grandes Dreamers now, who she's promoting currently and is doing amazing. We will talk a little bit about that. And today we're just celebrating her, the fact that she took a risk, you know, for so many years. And I think people keep asking you, like, what happened? Why did you say goodbye? So just so people know, she had the leading morning show alongside her husband on the radio and then she surprisingly announced that it was coming to an end by personal choice. How did you make that choice, that decision, Argelia? Why was it the right time? Was it scary? And what's next? Oh my gosh, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a personal choice. I love that I'm talking to two moms for the first time after my big revealing moment, like a little bit more than a month ago because you guys will be able to relate. It takes a lot. As working moms, you know that it takes a lot of sacrifices to leave your children. You just heard my motherish moments. Uh, that's why I thrive on them now, but it was time. It was time for me to evolve. I gave 20 years of my life to this place, you know, to Caleb 107.5 FM, who will, I will always be grateful for that platform and what it gave to me and what it did to me, how it helped me grow in so many ways, professionally and personally. I mean, I fell in love there. And then my family came about, right? But it was time to spread my wings. There are so many dreams. You guys were talking about mom dreaming. And I was like, I didn't know how to pinpoint it, but that's what I've been doing all this time. Mom dreaming, but what was it for me? Pinning stuff, pinning, pinning. One day, not now, it's not the time yet. When will it be? I don't know. Either I couldn't because of time constraints or I couldn't because of mommyhood or I couldn't because of work protocols, uh, company rules. Point is that 
there was always an excuse. And it came one day, I just told my husband. This was two years ago, by the way. So it wasn't like out of the blue. Two years ago, I told Omar, it's time for me to start pinning down stuff. I'm not getting any younger. I'm 46 years old now, but I was what, 44 when this topic came up. And I told him it's gotta be now or never because I'm gonna end up being an 80 year old woman and I'm gonna be like, ay, nunca lo hice, I never did it. I never tried. So I felt it in my heart. I felt it in my heart. Besides, it does help when your girls are grown up and they don't, mm -hmm. they're so sufficient. They're very independent. So yes, they need me, but not in a way where it's a toddler or a baby, right? Yes, that was really it, Pamela and Karen. It was a totally aha moment, like Oprah says. And interestingly enough, Omar was also feeling the same way as the person that he is. And we made the choice to make the leap. It was definitely scary. Maybe I could relate. I think a lot of the fear sometimes when you take new risk, it's also the financial aspect of it, right? Like you're safe, you're comfortable, you're the provider. You're thinking of like, I have been able to provide for my children with this job and this reality, you know, how scary is it to be in a non-stable or maybe a new field where am I going to be able to provide? I think for a lot of the, the moms, part is yeah, everything. the moms it's, like, yes, I dream of being, you know, opening my own like cookie shop or opening like this, but can I leave my nine to five to fulfill my dream. And I think it's kind of like, you know, maybe you could help us kind of aligned, right? Like, how do you come to a point where you say, okay, I'm going to risk this because at the end of the day, maybe this will be more fulfilling and maybe more lucrative at the end and, of the day as yeah, well. Yeah, and what made you know that it was time? Yes, so the financial aspect is definitely a scary part because like you, Karen, were saying earlier, we feel safe, right? And yes, you need that stability to know that you can sleep in peace and just know that the finances are not going to come and make your life a nightmare. But fortunately, I'm a very good administrator <laughs> in that department. So when this topic came up two years ago, Omar and I decided to start saving. We have to start saving as much as we can because we don't know how it's going to be when we're ready to jump and start with our new dream, our new ventures. How is the money going to come in and how are we going to pay for the house or for our college fund for the girls? So many things come into play. So we started to save and also we know that we have to continue providing. So it's not like we're taking a pause, like a long pause. We're not retiring. Obviously, we have to keep working and we have an ultimatum on ourselves. We have the rest of the year to just focus on our relaxation, clear the mind because the mental the mental thing is real, right? The mm -hmm. mental fatigue. That's what I want to say. The mental fatigue is real. We were definitely mentally fatigued from waking up so early for Omar and I, 18 years in total for me, 20. But we were just, you know what? God is going to provide. We have enough savings for quite a time. I'm not saying forever. Of course we can't, but God is going to provide. And that's where the faith comes in. And that's very important for me. I'm a person yeah. of faith. I cling on to God. And it's insane how he does provide. It's insane, but we ended a cycle because we knew it was time to end that era, that chapter. But I kid you not, that same day we started to get opportunities. And that's when you look up to the sky and you're like, thank you, God. You know what you're doing. We don't know where we're going yet. I know I have things to pin down that I want to make happen. But just, you know, hold us by the hand and don't let us go. And, you know, I just want to tell moms out there that you still have to go forward. Don't let the money factor stop you. And I always tell this to high school kids too, because many of them say, I can't go to college because I don't have the money. I don't have the finances. I don't qualify financial aid. And I always tell them, don't let the money factor stop you because there will always be a way. 
And I think there is. Look, it's happening. Thank God. <laughs> I love when you say you're pinning idea, you're kind of like, you know, marking them, put them aside, but you proactively are planning ahead. And I think the saving part is also part of pinning that, okay, if this is where you want to go. Like what's going to get me from A to B? There has to be mm-hmm. some responsibility and accountability from your own and when it comes to pre-planning for that dream, you know? Preparation. It's like preparation meets opportunity. All these things have to come together. I have a question about, you know, when you decide to finally make this change, how do you manage this with your daughters? How do you, what do you tell them, you know, do things have to change for them and how do you manage that with them? Yes, that's a great question. So when this came up two years ago in the house, they started to cry. They didn't want us to leave radio because for them, it's all they've known. They were still with, they were in my belly. They heard mommy's voice in the morning somehow doing something out there, right? (laughs) But they wake up and the first thing they do is... Well, that's the alarm clock. For them, it's mommy and daddy on the radio. And so it was a big deal for them. And we told them it was time to move on. And they were like, no, no, you can't because the audience needs you. Camila, the 12-year-old now, back then she was 10. She was like, you can't leave what gives people happiness. Those were her words. You make people happy. You make people laugh. When they're sad, they turn on to you because they need you and you need them. And I was like, wow, for a 10-year-old to tell me that? The 8-year-old was just like, I don't want you to leave because all my friends know that you're on the radio and that's all I want them to know. Like, I have a mommy that's on the radio. And for her, for her, it's just cool to tell people, oh, my mom's on the radio. But, you know, she's matured now and she knows the huge responsibility behind a mic. But when it finally came to making this decision, well, you know, they've seen us discuss this quite a bit. And so they were just like, when they found out the reason why we wanted to leave, which is also a big component, was family time to give them what we were losing, that's when they hit them. And they're like, oh, so it's because of us too. And we're like, yeah, you guys are growing way too fast. In the blink of an eye, you're going to be in college. Omar and I are going to be here by ourselves. And we're like, we never really got to milk more of them, even though we do, but milk more of them. And I'll never forget the day we signed off. It was a pre-recorded show. And we were in the kitchen, girls. We were in the kitchen in my house listening to Omar and Argelia say goodbye. That was very deep and very... um emotional because I never imagined that goodbye to be that way first of all but that's a different topic but what was emotional for me was that the girls got to hear that and then they came to me and they hugged me and the 10 year old the first thing she said was like mommy thank you for doing this for us you're right I do miss you in the morning and even though you've been there for me in many other school events I will never forget the day in kinder when you missed my student of the month. And I know you were there for many other events, but you missed my student of the month in kinder. And she didn't cry, by the way. I was the one bawling because she never told me this. (laughs) I I never realized this, but I was like a mess. And I hugged her and I said, and this is why I'm giving up something that I love so much because I love you more. Yeah. And that was powerful. And I had never shared that before with anyone because it had never happened. She had never said this. So imagine what our kids see and we think, oh, San Chiquitos. They don't think this is all they know, right? Like, because both girls were pretty much, you were pregnant with them during this whole time. This is the, oh, they didn't have another point of reference. Their mom has always been gone in the mornings. They see you in the afternoon. It was like their daily routine. But it's incredible to, to see how even at that young age, they're so aware of those things, you know, and the effect that it could have. So, and I think it's a right time, especially at their ages right now. I think, 
you being for them during this season of their life is going to be critical. Yeah, critical for them and very beneficial for all of you. And that's right, Pamela. Ever since I was pregnant of Camila, my 12 year old now, I always told Omar, when the girls get to middle school, which we know what that's all about, (laughs) I'm going to be there. So I gave myself a good, you know, 10 more years in this industry in the morning. I was always preparing myself, going to what you were saying, Karen, about planning plan B, plan C. It wasn't like I woke up one morning and said, ah, okay, there, I'm tired. No, it was like, okay, I committed myself to being there for my girls by the time they reach middle school. Guess what? The time is getting near. And that's when the conversation happened. And that's when the planning happened. And that's when the financing and the saving happened. Tell us a little bit about Grandes Dreamers now, this book of yours. Well, fortunately, this book has been my saving grace in this period of my life because never did I think that when I would close a chapter, literally, (laughs) I would open up a new one, which is this one, right? This Grandes Dreamers book, which I started to write in 2018 when Camila, my um, 12-year-old now, was in third grade back then and came home with this amazing school project, which I know we all did probably when we were in elementary. She came home very excited because she had this role of choosing an iconic woman to give her life and do like her book report and present it to her class mm-hmm. and um and she's like mom look i get to do this and mom, i'm like who are you gonna do she's like i think i'm gonna do susan b anthony and i was like oh that's great i love her yes let me see the list and i see the list it's 30 women Latina. there's not one latina and that was that broke my heart i'm like that was 80s for me, you know, I lived that experience as a kid in the 80s. But to know that it's 2018, where we're in an era where we're embracing diversity, inclusiveness, women power in schools, apparently, and your kid comes home and there's not one Latina. Yeah, especially in an L.A. school, right? Because you would think maybe another part of America, you know, but in such a diverse city, it's kind of scary to even think what's happening in other cities around the world. Exactly. You pinpointed it really well. It was very frustrating because I feel that women in this country have done amazing, iconic, enormous things for us to, you know, stand on their shoulders now and benefit off their hard work and labor to get us where we are. But at the same time, when you see that moving forward, you see things that are still not right, like not including Latina figures or Latino figures in general in our kids' education, not even during Hispanic Heritage Month, which is mm-hmm. sad. Um, I did a little Outside bit of research. Of Hispanic Heritage, please. Yeah, it's insane because, oh, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. Let's do it now. Okay, yeah, we can do it all year, by the way. But even when it's Hispanic Heritage Month, you ask your kids, oh, so what are you learning this month about? Because it's not for us. It's for the other cultures to know about us, about the contributions. So it's sad to see that big void still. Anyways, I could go on and on, but I decided to write a book about it. I did research. I went to the school library. I went to the community library. I went to stores and I did see books. I have to applaud the Latinx authors that have done an amazing job with books for toddlers and the pre-K era. There are many books for that specific group, but there is a huge gap for the youth group between 8 and 12, which is literally the group right before the, what do they call them? Young adults, right? Mm -hmm. Like teenagers. The preteens. So for this specific group, there is a complete absence. And to me, that was very critical because this is the stage in their life where our children between 8 and 12 begin to question where do I really come from who are my ancestors where's my abuelita from but why are we like this why do we this is when they begin to finally yeah the question their identity and kind of establishing their own identity 
Exactly. But when you don't have the resources in the classroom or the books in the library, you're like, no. Of course, we're like their main source, but you want them to have these book sources. And so that's what really motivated me to start writing this children's book, which I was scared because I've never done this something like this. I've, I mean, I pulled out a book, Amor Alaire, which, which was a marriage book on Omar, like how to make it work when you're at work with your marriage. But, um, <laughs> but this is something else. But you know what? I was passionate about it. And I said, I'm going to write it for my girls. I promised them that I would do this. And not just for them, obviously. It's for really all the girls the next out generation, there. And yes. The next generation. All the boys out there, because they need to know what women can do. And also for the girls in us. Our little girls, I never got to see that when we were children. So when I was writing this book, I realized that I was really writing it for me. The little Argelia that never got to see herself represented. I books. love that. I love that. And we'll proceed to buy it for all my friends' kids. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's getting that for Christmas. Yes, yes. Thank you. No, because stories do matter. We always say Oh this. my gosh, yes, girls. We're going to prepare Grandes Dreamers holiday special set kits for the girls. So yes, I'll be sending you the links, grandesdreamers.com. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yes, the story, stories matter. And, and especially when they're being told by us, right? Like our own stories, celebrating our own sisterhood. I think it's very important because I love the fact that you included people that you know well. I would say so important to not only tell people that seems so unattainable. These are women who are real, who we have worked with, who we know well, and it's important to elevate them as well, you know, because I always feel like you don't have to celebrate people that are so either sometimes even that had passed already or that are just, we don't even know much about them, but these are women that you have known personally in many occasions and that it's important, I guess, mutual, you know, colleagues and friends who also elevate them to that point to immortalize them in a book like this one. That's a great point that you bring up. It was very important for Ana Alvarado, the illustrator and myself, we're both partners in this project, to make a nice balance. Yes, we're gonna put a nice little light on the iconic women, like the famous mm -hmm. ones, right? Like Selena that we love and will always be dear to our heart, but we're also gonna, of course, include Jennifer Lopez because I feel that she doesn't get enough credit yes. because of her personal life, people attack her. <laughs> we're and I Jennifer like Lopez lovers here. So, oh, I'm with you. J-Lo, right here. J-Lo, right yeah, here. Queen. No, I think completely. it's a good, and it's, I'm sure it was very hard to choose these 12 because you do want to find that balance, right? Yeah, we wanted to find that balance. And J-Lo, we love her hard work to get where she's at now, who's a global icon. Like little girls need to know the story behind the superstar. We didn't just want to highlight the superstars. We wanted to highlight the hidden figures. When I met Silvia Acevedo, who came to promote her book at the show, I was like, how do I not know you? Why don't I not know your story? The first Latina CEO of the Girl Scouts, who, mind you, her story began as a little Girl Scout herself, where she had to like pay for her uniform by selling cookies and all this stuff. But what she's done with the STEM program in this country is, I mean, thanks to her, our STEM program in this country is what it is now because of what she's done with robotics and science. And our little girls need to know that. They need to know her story. They need to know the story of, of Olga Custodio, you know, the first Latina pilot in the military and commercial to dedicate more than 40 years of her life. Just like Sally Ride is presented to us when we're little girls and now to our girls, like our girls mm -hmm. need to know about Elena Ochoa, you know, the first Latina, the first Mexican-American to go into space. So yes, our book is a very nice balance between those public figures, but also we're shining a bigger light on those figures that are kind of just like hidden and they cannot be hidden anymore. We need to bring out these stories. And obviously my filters were my girls where they were like, mom, I don't know who this is. Exactly. And Good. that's why they're going to yeah. go in the book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I literally just pre-ordered three <laughs> copies right now. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Make sure it's grandestreamers.com. <laughs>
and before we started the interview, I was I was telling Angelia how emotional even I got when I saw her, you know, share the fact that they were in Target, you know, like for me it's like such an American dream aha moment to see someone that you know make it yeah. to something and I yeah, some yeah. people may not understand the the magnitude of this and everything that goes behind yeah, that yeah and everything that goes to get to that point but it's emotional we wanted to celebrate you today and cannot I hope that your story motivates other moms to just standing their mom dreaming constantly to start pinning start planning and just make it yeah. happen eventually you know what you getting happy and excited for something that we've worked so hard for is every Everything because that's when women can do bigger things. When we women brand together and celebrate each other and really be genuinely happy for our successes. You girls doing amazing stuff with this podcast, Motherish. Besides your career, Pamela, who's obviously, you know, you're one of the most important Latina figures in this country, in the Spanish market. And we've seen you in the general market as well, doing big things. You too, Karen, doing amazing things. As a mom now, entrepreneur, I mean, this is what we need to do. We need to just stick together and celebrate each other's victories. I think it's so sad when women begin to attack each other and begin to, um, I don't want to say envy, but begin to not support each other because the comparisons begin and it shouldn't be about comparisons you were put on this planet for a purpose so were you pam i have a role i have a mission i'm still trying to figure it out but you know what we each have a purpose yeah. and a mission and, and, and it's I love that my pastor always says comparison is a thief of joy. Because when you're yes. happy and you start comparing, it's going to just rob away from your happiness. So let's not do that. But thank exactly. you so much, Argelia, for thank having, you. for joining us today. And we're excited to see what this next stage for you brings. And yes. you're always going to be a great inspiration for a lot of moms out there. No, well, thank you for having me on your platform. I know that my girls are bigger, but I've been where you've been. And then so I can relate a lot to your experiences. And I just want to thank you for the opportunity. Grandes Dreamers is part of my new adventure, among other little things. And for the ones that are wondering what's going to happen with Omar and Argelia, we are coming back. Believe me, uh, it will be ONA 2.0, bigger and better. But just, you know, <laughs> just be out there. Um, start pinning down. Start pinning down. It's never too late. And it's never too late. But don't let age be a factor. Like, oh, it's, it's maybe my time passed. No, it's never late. Half of the women in this book didn't achieve their dreams until after their 40s. So, and I'm there. So, <laughs> you know, I'm a testament to that. And um, I know it sounds very cliche, but if you can think it, you can believe it, you can dream it, you can do it. 